0: You is the Dan Grossa Show. Where would the Mets be without Brandon Nimmo right now? Not a great place as is, but for an offense that's been scuffling for the better part of this season, imagine how much worse off they'd be if they didn't re-sign Nimmo. I didn't think they would find a way to be able to keep him because I thought there would be some other club out there that was going to be able to pony up the cash and pay a heck of a lot more money than, let's say, the Mets were willing to go. And Uncle Steve dug deep in his wallet, and he was able to write that check for $162 million, keep Nimmo around, and he's been again. Sensational! Guy's never made an all-star team. I think it's time, right? Like, what more does this guy have to do?
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show
0: on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, little America. Start hour number
2: two.
0: Look at that. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Grosser Show on this Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody is having a great one. We're taking it right up until noon, then we'll hand things over to Anita at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So, Scotty Pippen, who, you know, one of the great players of all time, right, in the history of the NBA. Legacy is, is, is more than secure. More than secure. Six championships, member of the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan's running mate there, the whole nine yards. So, we know that in recent years, though, there, there's been this, like, divide somewhere along the way. I don't know if it was necessarily brought on by the last dance. Maybe that didn't help matters. But it seems like ever since then, you know, Scotty Pippen is almost going out of his way to try to convince people that he was just as responsible for the Bulls' success all those years and really as responsible for Michael Jordan's success than even Michael Jordan himself was. Which I think is kind of humorous. So, Scotty goes on podcast the other day of former Bulls big man Stacey King. He's got a podcast. So, Scotty goes on and he starts talking about a number of things. He's talking about LeBron. And, of course, he's got to bring up Michael. But this one kind of caught me off guard, as a matter of fact, and probably a lot of other people as well. Listen to what Scotty has to say here on a, a, a couple of different topics. Go ahead.
3: LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. So, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game. And one player can't do it. Like, i seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And... All of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was.
0: I've never. I haven't heard of too many cases involving CTE and basketball players. I haven't heard of any, actually, but maybe we might have just found our first one. Right. Possibly. What is he talking about? A horrible player? I I mean, look, I understand. We know the angle that Scotty's coming from. Okay? We know. But to really stoop to these depths and to try to make the world kind of see history through your eyes and to, in a sense, almost try to rewrite history is what he's doing. Now, look, I understand that to a lot of the younger generation and, you know, the social media generation, if you will, the internet generation, like, they weren't around. They weren't old enough to see the 90s Bulls. Because if you think about it, that was now going on, you know, between 25 and 30 years ago. That was a long time ago. So, Scotty is now, because Michael's not a guy who's going to talk that often and do a lot of media and that sort of thing, he used The Last Dance as his kind of retelling of how things were way back when. Instead, you have guys like Scotty now who are gonna try to pump themselves up as much as humanly possible. But when you say things like that to me, it's almost like you're running out of things to say. Because that just like borders on just foolishness. A horrible player. Let's let's again, for the purpose of history and for those that weren't around and didn't see it with their own two eyes, okay? Let's just try to connect the dots here and catch everybody up here on the story. Number one, Scottie Pippen joined the Bulls fall of 87, okay? Jordan was already three years into the league. Now, as you heard Scottie just say, he said that he was a horrible player before he got there. A horrible player. The year before Scottie Pippen arrived to the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan won the scoring title in the NBA, averaging... 37.1 points per game. 37 points per game. Played all 82 games. Averaged about 40 minutes per game. No evidence of load management whatsoever. Okay, that wasn't a thing back then. 37 points a game. Year prior to that. Made the All-Star, by the way. Was an All-Star all three years, even before Pippen got there. Okay? Year before that in 86, when... Jordan dealt with an injury for a lot of that season. Okay, only played in 18 regular season games. That was his second season. Still got back in time for the playoffs. Playoffs in 86, the Bulls got swept in the first round by the 86 Celtics. Now, for those that aren't basketball historians, the 86 Celtics are easily one of the top two or three greatest teams of all time in the history of the game. They were tripping over Hall of Famers on that roster. Bird, McHale, Parrish, DJ. You had Bill Walton coming off the bench, even though Bill Walton was, you know, banged up at that point in his career. But still, capable on any given night. Okay? As good a team as you're ever going to find. Michael Jordan essentially by himself with that squad. Put up a 60-burger up at Boston Garden. In that series, two games they played in Boston, Jordan scored 49 and 63. Yeah. I, I, horrible player. Horrible player. All right. So, again, back to what Scotty has to say. After 98 happened and the Bulls won that last championship and the story ends and Jordan retires again for the second time and doesn't play basketball for the next three years, Scotty Pippen. His career continues, right? He still has another basketball act. And here's an opportunity for him to kind of go out there and make a name for himself, right? Get out of Michael Jordan's shadow. Ends up with the Houston Rockets. Tries to help them win games. Then he goes on to Portland. Scotty Pippen ever make an all-star team without Michael Jordan as his teammate? The answer to that question is... Scottie Pippen have really any good seasons, top-flight seasons after he left the Bulls and Michael Jordan wasn't his teammate any longer? The answer is no. And we're not talking about Scottie Pippen, who was like 40 at that time, was 33 years old. Kevin Durant's 33 years old. He's still pretty productive, isn't he, among others? 33 is not like the end of your career. You're not going into the retirement home when you're 33. So it's funny, Scotty talking all this stuff about he was the one who was responsible for Michael Jordan's success and all those things, but yet, when Michael Jordan left Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen was nowhere near among the elite in the NBA, any longer. And oh, by the way, if you want to rewind the story a little bit earlier in the book, do we have to bring up 94? Do we got to bring up 94? The first, when, when Jordan left to go play baseball? after the Bulls won the first three championships, and then it became Scotty's team? Scotty was the guy himself? What happened then? Shoot, they couldn't even make it out of the second round. They lost to the Knicks. Lost to the Knicks. Remember that game in Chicago? When Scotty's feelings were hurt? When Phil Jackson drew up that out-of-bounds play at the end that it was supposed to go to Tony Kukoc? And Scotty because he wasn't asked to be the guy, didn't want to go in the game, stayed on the bench. So think about all of these things the next time Scotty wants to talk, and the next time he wants to sit there and throw shade at Michael Jordan and talk about how he was the one most responsible for the success and the Bulls wouldn't have won anything, and blah, 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 blah. And oh, by the way, just to be able to provide proper 100% complete context to this entire story. I don't know if you guys, you know, follow TMZ or any of these other things and keep up with that side of the news cycle. But there's also another angle to this whole Pippin-Jordan beef, especially in the last year or so, all right? Scotty went through, you know, Scotty got divorced from his wife, whatever, you know, a few years back. Scottie Pippen's ex-wife is now dating Michael Jordan's son. So if Scottie had any additional reason or incentive to maybe frown down on Michael Jordan, this is another reason. And this is maybe the most public of them all. That a guy who he's so jealous of, so envious of, the guy's son is now dating your ex-wife. So can you really blame Scotty for feeling the way that he does? You know, like, I almost in a way feel bad for him. He's almost become like a sympathetic, tragic figure in this whole story here. Like, you want to throw, you know, reach out and throw him a lifeline a little bit here. Like, I got you, man. You know, put your hand on his shoulder. It's like, Scotty, it'll be all right, man. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Go play with your championship rings, man. And don't go on the internet. Don't go on social media. Don't go on TMZ, and everything will be fine. That's all you got to do. But as far as the basketball arguments and stuff go, I I, I mean, come on. Scotty, come back to us. Come back to us. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Funny stuff. Dan Gross' show. We'll take your calls when we return right here on 9870 ESPN.
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
4: This is the Dan
0: Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. And hey, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend brought to you by Kia. Make your summer special. Visit Kia.com. Kia is movement that inspires. And don't forget as well, come out and see DiPietro Rothenberg live on Thursday, June 1st, starting at 6 a.m., from Publicans in Manhasset for a special pregame broadcast, and you get music from Randy Zoo. Just steps away from Manhasset Station on the LIRR, where after the show, the crew are going to take the train to City Field tailgate in Lot F before the matinee game. It's the pregame party with Rick and Dave, brought to you by New York Structural Steel Painting Contractors Association, the Window and Glass Dealers Association of New York, and Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Supposed to be great weather-wise too. I think on Thursday it's going to be like eighty-five, sunny. I think I saw so perfect day. You couldn't have planned that any better. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Melon Queens, who's going to be up next here on ninety-eight seven ESPN. Mel, how are you?
5: Hey, what's going on, Dan? I'm enjoying Mel, the show. Things.
0: All right, everything is good. I'm a, I'm a little bit upset with
3: you today, just a little right. bit because the Pippen thing. I feel like you laid this whole spell out oh, for Michael Jordan. Now, I'm 46, so I watch Michael Jordan play. I watch all these players today play, right? Mm-hmm. The issue that I have is that when anybody speak about Michael Jordan, like, the ideology for Jordan is so high that when people speak the truth, they get ridiculed. Now, let's talk about Scottie Pippen, because you left some things out when you try to sell these Scotty Pippen's name. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely correct. All Jordan did was shot the basketball before, before Scottie Pippen was implemented as one of the main guys. Even Phil Jackson told Michael Jordan... You're not going to win basketball that way. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, Scottie Pippen, when Michael Jordan retired the first time, the Bulls won the first repeat 57 games. With Scottie Pippen, he won 55 games, All-Star Game MVP. He helped B.J. Armstrong and Horace Grant on the you're really going to give me All-Star
0: Game MVP like anybody gives a no, rat's ass about the All-Star Game?
3: Well, you said he didn't make an All-Star
0: without Michael Jordan I didn't on the say team. That. I said, said when, say Michael, that. when, when he, they were done in 98. Ninety-four, he was still in the prime of his career. I would hope he'd be an all-star. Okay, so let's let let's let's go at that real quick. I'm gonna be quick. Mm-hmm. Every single year when he left the Bulls, Scottie
3: Pippen made the playoffs. Without Scottie Pippen, when Jordan came back, he didn't make the playoffs. Now we're we gonna make excuses about his age. Well, let's use age. LeBron is thirty-eight
0: right now, and look at what he's doing. So at the end of the day, as much as are you as we talking about? Make- are you talking about the two years he spent with the Wizards? Yeah, yes. But when, he think, was, when he was. When he was. When he was 40 and took over a horrible team, well, he, and the only reason he was there was because he had ownership stake in it?
3: He, he started when he was 38. He wasn't 40 when he was 38 when he started with the Bulls. LeBron is 38 right now. Jordan looked nothing like LeBron at 38. Not only that, Michael Jordan went 98. Why was Jordan scared to play without Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson? He could have kept playing. Why quit? Oh, if Phil don't come back. If uh, Pippen don't come back, I won't come back. That was Michael Jordan's chance to show the world, like, listen,
0: I can do this without Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan is a great player. Scottie Pippen is a great but what player. What more does he have to prove though? Like you're like you're saying like after ninety eight, like the guy already had more money than God, like he won six championships. Like what more did he have to prove though? Because he did that Was think about this. Here's the argument. Kareem won without magic, right?
3: Uh, uh, LeBron won without Wade. Kobe won without Shaq. Shaq won without Kobe. Michael could never say he won without Scottie Pippen. But outside of those two playing together, Scottie Pippen was the more productive player. And his teams were better in the playoffs. Michael Jordan won one playoff game without Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen won numerous playoff series without without Michael Jordan. I'm talking about after the Bulls. The Rockets made the playoffs. The Portland made the playoffs. I think they made the conference finals, and they collapsed one time in the fourth quarter. So we need to stop acting like, you know, outside of the Bulls' championship years, Of course, scoring-wise, Michael Jordan had the better career scoring-wise. But as far as being a better leader, leading teams outside of the Bulls, it's Scottie Pippen, hands down. Now, so let do me ask you a question,
0: though. Like you're, you're bringing up all the stuff, like the post-Bulls stuff with Scottie Pippen making the playoffs. Was Scottie Pippen the guy on any of those teams? Was he the number one player?
3: You know why I say he was the guy? Because before Scottie Pippen got there, because this is way past the Clyde Drexler year, nobody was checking for the Portland Trailblazers. Nobody cared about Bondi Wells and Stoddermy was older. Scottie Pippen came to that team and made that team a contender, and they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals.
0: Those other guys that you referenced, though, like that they said they never won without or whatever. Shaq won a championship with Dwayne Wade, by the way. Okay, Dwayne, And by the way, Dwayne Wade was the finals MVP and the best player on that team at that point. So he had a great player. Kareem won a championship with some guy by the name of Oscar Robertson in Milwaukee, who I think was pretty damn good. So, like, still these other guys had players. And not for nothing, the beginning part of Jordan's career, like I said, going up against a well-oiled machine like the Celtics. That team was a dynasty, littered with Hall of Famers. Then you had the bad boy Pistons, who were also a dynasty. It's like he was getting picked off by scrubs.
3: But, then, but the same thing when LeBron loses to Dynasties and Golden State and the Spurs, it's held against him. That's all I'm saying is this. We're making excuses. Talk about when Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face. Talk about how he don't have a great relationship with Harvest Grant. Talk about when he was with, with Washington, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, and Rich, Rip, Rip Hamilton hated him. Like, he, what Pippen is saying is true. Go watch Mr. All-Around by Scottie Pippen, right? Players around the league, NBA players, at that time, we're talking about the impact and how great, um, you know, Scottie was. Charles Barkley even said on Oprah Winfrey show, he said, Michael Jordan, you only win any championships because of Scottie Pippen. That's what Charles
0: Barkley said on Oprah Winfrey. Because Charles Barkley never won. You know, I love Charles, but don't think for a second. And, Mel, thanks for the phone call, my friend. So you, you made some good points. It was a fun discussion. But here, here's the thing. Charles Barkley's one of these guys who doesn't have a championship in his career because of Michael Jordan. That's one of the reasons. And the best season that Barkley ever had, when he went to Phoenix in, what was it, 93, and he won the MVP, best year of Barkley's career, they went all the way to the NBA Finals, who picked him off? And that might have been Jordan's best final series ever against the Phoenix Suns. You know how many times, by the way, I mean, I think mean, everybody brings up like LeBron and they, like you can't compare the NBA during the 80s and the 90s versus the way the NBA has been for the last 15, 20 years. The NBA now is a joke. All right. I, it's a joke. If guys like LeBron played during that era, you really think that he would have lasted till he was 40 years old and playing at this high level? It's a lot easier when nobody plays defense. And show. all teams and all teams do are shoot three-pointers cuz that's essentially what the NBA is. Half the time these guys drive the lane, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. And you know I'm right. The NBA is a three-point shooting contest. Why do you think every, you know, the the the, the point totals and the scoring just goes completely through the roof compared to the, how it was let's say 20 years ago? The three-point shot has essentially become the most important aspect of, of NBA basketball nowadays. When back then, Jordan never even faced elimination in the NBA Finals. Ever. You realize that? Never played a game in the NBA Finals where, if they lose, season's over. Because he never went to a Game 7. Never. Not only is he 6-0, and he never went to a Game 7. Jose's in Connecticut. He's up next here on 987 ESPN. What's up, Jose? How are you? Dan, what's up? How's it going? Jose, I'm good. What's up?
5: Man, I'm just tired. of and People are just, like, rewriting history now. For And I love LeBron, too. I'm, I'm actually from Ohio, so I get it. But just the rewriting of the history is being sad, like Mel just called. Uh, I'm going to give you three quick points. First of all, before the last dance, just a year before, Pippen said Jordan was the greatest ever, and it's not close. So clearly, he's just personally upset about the last dance and the stuff with his wife and Jordan's son. Pippen's, like, become, Let's Pippen's becoming
0: grumpier. He, he's becoming grumpier, and like I said, you throw all those other things together, and then like the stuff going on in his personal life, and the fact that Jordan somehow is attached to that now—like it, it's just—it's something that's been been brewing for years. Right, and then
5: basketball-wise. People were just like we just forget history. The first year that the Bulls won the title, Pippen was not the great player yet. He averaged like ten points. He was like, ok, emerging. And then the last year, he was injured most of the year. He missed most of, most of the year. And in, in the finals, he was not the same player. Like, I, I, people are just trying to, like elevate Pippen now to like downgrade Jordan. I mean, the year that Jordan came back, the Bulls are under five hundred. Pippen publicly petitioned for Jordan to come back. Like, they went from 57-5 games. Okay, 55 games, made the playoffs, and lost. And with Jordan, they went 72-10 and 10 and won a title. So that's a big leap. So I just think we need to stop rewriting history. We understand that Pippen is
0: personally upset. And that's it. I think the are putting too much stock in this. I don't know. I mean, look, these are one of these discussions, Jose, and I thank you for the phone call. It is what it is. And it seems like it, and they've been going on for years. Because anytime you bring – whenever Pippen – because Jordan's not saying anything. I mean, Jordan doesn't have anything to say. He doesn't have to go out there and remind people every five minutes about how good he was or how important he was. I mean, he let his play do the talking. Pippen is the one who seems like he's dragging all of this stuff up out of nowhere. He's the guy. And so whenever this happens, then some people, depending on what side of the spectrum they're on, because, like, for instance, in the case with Mel, it seems like – and I didn't get a chance to ask him – you, you're either, all of a sudden you become, it's either the LeBron versus Jordan discussion. If you're a LeBron guy, and if you drink that Kool-Aid, then all of a sudden you got to throw shade at Jordan. That's how it works. See, like, Pippen seems like he'll latch on to the LeBron discussion almost like as his ally. Because, like, that's the one card that Pippen can play whenever he wants to throw shade on Jordan's legacy. And Pippen, I think, has gone so far down the road at this point that there's no turning back. Like, you know what? You you know, you say like, you know what? We've come this far. There's no turning back. We just got to keep going. That's Pippen right now. So I don't expect there to be any sort of like Oprah sit down with him and Michael Jordan anytime soon where they're going to clear the air and they're going to weep and hug at the very end and, you know, sing kumbaya. That's not going to happen. Pippin's just going to go on and on for years and years now just saying that, you know, Michael Jordan was overrated. I'm the reason that the Bulls won six championships, and LeBron is the greatest thing that's ever walked on water. That's going to be Scottie Pippen's M.O. probably from here on out. And you know what? Let him, let him believe what he thinks. It's a free country, but you don't have to agree with it. I sure as hell don't. 800-919-3776. show. We wrote till noon right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's not really like hot beach go in the water type weather yet. That'll probably be more for like 4th of July, but still get outside, man. Awesome. Awesome. You, you, you can't you can't you can't script weather better than this. So I can't wait to be able to enjoy some nice outdoor weather here uh, at Dan Grossa where you can get me on Twitter. Keep the tweets coming here. Let's say hi to Anthony. In the Bronx, he's up next year on ninety eight seven. Anthony, how we doing this morning?
1: Doing great, doing great. Yeah, what's on your mind? Wondering
0: about the.
3: The guy said this is different era with the basketball,
1: and uh, I don't
3: watch the NBA for fifteen years almost. I watch a game and get upset. All this three
0: point, everybody, no one's getting rebounds. I'd rather watch college ball than NBA. Uh, Anthony, I'm 100% with you. Like, you're preaching to the choir. I'm a huge, huge fan of the college game because, to me, you know, number one, teams actually still play defense, okay? You're not going to put on a game and it's going to be like, you know, 70 to 70 at halftime. You know, teams are actually running sets. It's not like, you know, far off in the NBA, like you you would think that the shot clock instead of 24 seconds, you would think that it's 10 seconds. Because teams race Mm -hmm. the ball up the floor, and as soon as they get the ball in their hands, it's spot up, shoot a quick three. Get an offensive rebound, kick it out to a guy beyond the arc, shoot up a quick three. It's like they're playing with a hot potato. It's just, it it just seems like the the intricacies of the game are long, long gone in the NBA.
1: You got the... Uh, a lead, and they take an open shot. with. Don't even run down the clock. You're just hoisting
0: three points. Like, yo, run the clock down or something. It's like, oh, I seems like they're
1: not being coached or something. I don't know what's going now, on. No, you know what it is?
0: You know what it is, Anthony, and I thank you for the phone call, my friend. It's essentially, well, one of the byproducts of the so-called analytics revolution. You know, we talk a lot about that with baseball, and that's probably impacted that sport more so than any other, but it's taken its hold in the NBA, too. And the simple math with the NBA is, well, just chuck up three-pointers. Three is better than two. And the more opportunities and and, and the more threes that you make or so on and so forth, eventually that's going to add up and you're going to end up with more points on the scoreboard than if you were just taking a bunch of two, obviously. But that's the thinking behind it. Like, earlier in the year, when LeBron set the all-time scoring record, and people were just, you know, tripping over themselves at how great of an achievement it is. And, and, and don't get me wrong, okay? Celebrate it, that's fine. But like with anything else, it's all relative to the era in which you're playing. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. Okay, LeBron James, in his career, made over 2,200 three-pointers. Took over 6,500. But think about that for a second. Made 2,261 three-pointers. You know how many Kareem Abdul-Jabbar took? Or how many he made? One. You know why? Well, among other reasons, for the first half of Kareem's career, the three-point shot was not even a part of the NBA. It wasn't even a thing. So he had to do it the old-fashioned way. Make twos. And he made a lot more twos than LeBron did, and that's how he became the all-time leading scorer. So you mean to tell me that if the three-point shot was a thing back in those days that you wouldn't have guys that played in that era be higher up on the all-time scoring list? Like, that's what drives me crazy about how people want to compare, you know, these players versus these players, and they just look at the all-time stats and the numbers there. No, you have to discern what was happening during that era in which the guy played. It drives me crazy right now, the same thing in football, you know, with these quarterbacks. And, oh, most touchdown passes in the first four years of their career. And lo and behold, the list of the top five all-time is generally guys that are playing right now because all teams do now is throw the football. And the game is way more wide open than it was back in the day. So, of course, you're going to have present-day players putting up all these fancy statistics where guys, once upon a time, didn't throw the ball as much. You know, like last week, we were talking about the passing of Jim Brown. Like when Jim Brown played, and even like a couple of decades after that, the running back was like the focal point of a team's offense, not the quarterback. He was the most important player. Because guys weren't throwing the ball as much as they do now. It's all relative, and you got to take that into consideration whenever you want to have one of these who's better debates. Brian in West Palm is up next here on 98.7. What's up, Brian? How you doing?
4: Hi, hi, Dan. I grew up in Westbury. Let me tell you something. I agree with you. The NBA is is the first thing if I was a commissioner NBA, get rid of the three-pointer. It's so boring. And And I grew up watching Dr. J. Dr. J was a great player. Nobody talks about Dr. J. Michael Jordan couldn't do the things that, that Dr. J did. He started on top of the key, went over people, and jammed. Michael Jordan never did that. Um, and and turn it to the Yankees, the Yankees. That's well, athleticism. Get rid of the and that has nothing
0: to do with like, basketball. Who's better? Who's this? I mean, well, that's, I'm just you know, saying, Dr. I J thought, was a great uh, athlete. Everybody talks about,
4: yeah, he, yeah but he was a great player, too. He was a great scorer. And he played defense, Dr. J, too.
0: By oh, the, the way, Yankee, real quick, no let me just—I just, just had to look this up. Jordan, by the way, in his career made only five hundred eighty-one three-pointers. He only attempted uh, just under eighteen hundred. So LeBron James has made more threes than Jordan even attempted in his career. Continue.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, also, people forget about Will Chamberlain. I saw him when the Knicks played the uh, Lakers in the finals in the 70s when I was in high school. He was a great player. He was a great he player. Was a freak. Nobody talks about Will Yep. Oh, yeah, he was a great player, no doubt. On the Yankees side, I think the Yankees have to get uh, – if I'm uh, the, uh, the owner of the Yankees, first of all, I get rid of the analytical <laughs> department because Aaron Boone the other night – ruin the game when they were playing the Orioles because he was playing analytics and uh, set a pull in Nesta Cortez after he gave up the base hit. It was first and second and none out. He went out and he, and he, he, uh, he let, uh, he said in an interview that he was still going to let him pitch to Frazier, who hit the home run that hit the foul pole. And that's all analytics. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm the general manager, uh, of the of the Yankees I get rid of the analytics department. Well before, wait a sec. you know, do you, you, you
0: I, think the other night he 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 left cortez in too much or too long rather or do you think he was too quick with the hook?
4: I uh, no no I I I I feel that he was listening to the analytics department because he said in an interview that he was going to still pitch to Frazier he, it was already planned that he pitched to Fra- to Frazier because of analytics, you know lefty and lefty, what yeah, but you know, You know what
0: it is, Brian, though? I got to be honest with you, and I thank you for the phone call. I, I, that one, to me, I, it's got nothing to do with analytics. That's another thing which kind of I, I yearn for when talking about baseball. I actually give the Yankees credit, and I give Boone credit to the analytics department or the, the stat sheets, the spreadsheets, whoever the hell, the computer, letting a guy, in this case your starting pitcher, actually face the lineup third time through the order. You know, that was already the seventh inning at that point. And they left Cortez out there in the game to try to get out of his own mess, to clean up his own mess, and to try to fight his way through it. I mean, once upon a time, that's what pitchers did. Right? Nowadays, unfortunately, just because we're so pre-programmed that, God forbid, a pitcher's got to be out of the game if the ump- if the lineup turns around a third time. he there, There's no way... That he could see a lineup the third time through the order. There's no, oh my God, it's like forbidden fruit. You can't, God forbid. So that one I'm actually with the Yankees on. It just didn't work out for him. And then that seventh inning kind of just blew up in their face. But that could happen even with a reliever. It wasn't necessarily just because he left Nestor out there. That's one of the things I think that would make baseball a little bit more enjoyable is how about these starting pitchers, like, pitching deeper into games and allowing the starting pitchers to go deeper into the games? I mean, look at how much money starting pitchers get paid. And, and, and for the most part, they baby these guys and, and get them out of there after six innings, usually, on average. You know, there was a time when starting pitchers actually, like, finished their own games, went the distance, or went eight. That's a novel thought. You want to get baseball more popular again? You want people to actually, like, be talking about baseball and young people actually consumed by it and actually being able to have an argument or a, a conversation about the game? Let starting pitchers pitch. Seriously. Like You actually think that people are going to sit there and get into a back-and-forth and and water-cooler talk over bullpen management? Oh, did you see the way that that Boone mixed and matched the bullpen, how he went lefty, righty, righty, lefty? You really think that people are going to get all caught up in that? No. But if a starting pitcher who's supposed to be one of your big stars of your team making all that money, if he goes out there and shoves for seven, eight innings like you're paying him to, that's what moves the needle. You know, we were having a conversation off the air just a couple of minutes ago about the whole, like, you know, the Jordan, Pippen, LeBron, like, the great player thing. In baseball, you're talking about that with pitchers generally. Like, they're the, even though it's a team game, they're truly the individuals. They're the ones on the mound with the ball in their hands. They can dictate what's going to happen that night. The game is literally on their shoulders. Football's the quarterback. Hockey, the goalie. Baseball's the starting pitcher. Let them pitch. 800 3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get into some football in the final hour, but more of your calls as well. Dan Grasso Show till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN.
1: You think you can do better? Here, put my processor in you.
0: This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800 <laughs> 3776. Severino on the mound this afternoon. At the stadium, as the Yanks look to get back in the win column against the San Diego Friars, let us say hi to Anthony in the mail truck, who is up next. Who, it's not you, it's me. me last night, as a matter of fact. But yet, he is true to his word, and he called in today. Hello, Anthony. How are you?
6: Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Uh, Good big, morning. Big shout-out to the company. So, uh, you know... I'm just, I was talking to Joe Leo and, and I'm just sick and tired of hearing about, you know, this, this analytics isn't going anywhere. So if you don't like it, you're not going to watch baseball anymore. So it's, it's not going anywhere. I'm sorry to tell every single person that's listening to the show that doesn't like it. There's no, uh, the Rays have the literally the best run organization in baseball. And you know what they run on? Analytics. Right. And they have the greatest analytics team ever put together because that team should not be, uh, whatever they are, 16 to 17 games above 500. That just shouldn't be the case. But but do you know
0: why the Rays are bad? And and by the way, there's teams that spend a lot of money and are steeped deeply in analytics, like the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers are a very analytics-rich franchise, but they also have a high payroll and resources and those type of things, and they combine it and they win. The problem with the Rays as far as how it branches out to the rest of baseball, Anthony, is that there are clubs that use the Rays as a model and in more cases more as an excuse as to why they don't want to spend money and try to do it just like Tampa does, but they don't get the results and they just keep justifying it by saying, oh, look at Tampa, it works for them, but there's only one Tampa.
6: Right. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like we're, we're more in lockstep than, than you know, I, I can, you can tell. But what I'm, what I'm really trying to get to is, you know, the whole, the whole thing the other night with Nester Cortez and, and uh, you know, not taking him out and – or taking him out and what you wanted to do, what you didn't want to do. At the end of the day, he's going to have to go six, seven innings. So why not push it now rather than wait until, you know, August, September – Let's let's try and push him now. Why 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 would you even you know think about you know going to you know like Joe Leo said he he may have gone to Wandy Peralta in that situation. I understand that and I get that, but at the end of the day, you're you're bringing in a lefty for a lefty. So you know it just it just doesn't really make too much sense to me, Dan. Maybe you can make sense of it. Have a great well, weekend. I'm... Have a happy happy Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you next week, brother.
0: Anthony, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Same to you. Look, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over one game, you know. You had a nightmarish inning. You know, it, how many times over the course of 162 games are you going to have an inning where the other team, you, you give up eight runs? It happened the other night for the Yankees. And oh, by the way, have you checked? Baltimore is actually pretty good. Baltimore's for real. This isn't a fluke. If you go back, I'll illustrate it for you. If you go back to roughly a year ago, all right, Adley Rutschman, their catcher, he was called up from the minor leagues last year. I think it was like May 21st, somewhere around there. So we're a little over a year since Adley Rutschman made his major league debut. Since that time, you realize there's only four teams in baseball that have a better record than the Baltimore Orioles. And the Mets are one of them. It's like the Mets, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Astros. The only teams that have been better in the last year than the Baltimore Orioles. including And, and better than the Yankees. All right? This is legit. So get used to this. The days of beating up on the Orioles and them being the laughing stock And, you know, you better fatten up against Baltimore because the rest of the AL East is murder. Well, guess what? Baltimore is part of that now. And they got even more guys down in the pipeline who are going to be here soon. You know, in a couple of years, learn the name Jackson Holiday. Matt Holiday, the former Yankee, his kid, he was the number one or, you know, uh, whatever. I don't remember if he was the number one overall pick in the draft last summer. He might have been. But he was like one or two. I can't remember. Uh, Ripping the cover off the ball. In A ball already. He'll be a big leaguer in a couple of years, and that's another headache that you're going to have to deal with in addition to all these other guys they have in tow already. Danny in New Jersey, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Dan? How are you?
1: Good morning, Dan. Shout out to the company. How are you today? Dan,
0: outstanding. What's going on?
1: Not much. Are you going to be at the tailgate on June 1?
0: I will not be there. I have a commitment that I have to be a part of over at the uh, Jets, believe it or not. But uh, I'll be there in spirit. How's that?
1: All right. Sounds good. I I was originally calling in to talk about LeBron, but you make a really good point about the Yankees. And I really don't know where to go from here with them. And I think they'll be fine. They're always going to make the playoffs. But I think the reason, if you look at a team like Baltimore, and it might be why the Yankees never can get over that hump, is they'll never be bad enough to develop the elite draft picks and get the elite talent. What do you think about that? Uh,
0: it's, it's a little overblown in baseball. Think about how many rounds you have of the baseball draft. And not even just that. Yeah. I mean, think about international signings, which have nothing to do with draft choices. It's about scouting. It's about uncovering talent. And then once you're able to bring that into your organization, you get to the development point. I I think that a lot of that is overblown. You know, like we say, oh, the Yankees have been good every single year. So they're not picking first, second, third. There's just as many guys. And you could go back and trace it. Baseball, it's such an inexact science with the draft. There are so many guys who were picked, let's say, in the top five who end up being busts as opposed to like Major League All-Stars. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's so fickle.
1: I don't I don't disagree. I think it's an interesting point, but like I you bring up the point, Mookie Betts is one of those examples. I don't know. Maybe it's then it's the Yankees analytics department because it just feels like something there. Where like the Dodgers are so good analytically that and the Yankees just there's there's something off. It always feels like every year. Like
0: Well i Dodgers I'll, feel I'll, like
1: they just do it so well.
0: I'll say this about the Dodgers. Okay. The Dodgers this year, I I I don't want to say rebuilding, okay, but this was supposed to be like a retooling year for the They're
1: Dodgers. They're loading up for Otani,
0: exactly. But they didn't go out this past winter and have a big splashy Dodger off season. Like they didn't go out there and, and bring in a marquee free agent. Or anything. I mean, like J.D. Martinez was like the biggest splash. Okay, but they kind of laid low. They reset their tax a little bit because, like you said, all signs point to them being a big front runner for Otani next off season. Okay, well. Maybe the expectations were chill a little bit for the Dodgers. Don't look now. They're in first place. And even though they've suffered some injuries to their starting rotation, they call a couple of kids up from the minor leagues in in Stone and Miller, starting pitchers, and they're just going out there and, and, and picking up where the other guys left off. They got guys in the pipeline just waiting. And the Dodgers aren't a team that's picking you know in the top five of the draft because they're in the playoffs every single year, just like the Yankees are. So it is still about player development, bringing guys into your system, and then finding a way to support that with smart free agent decisions. Guys that the Yankees have went out there and quote-unquote paid big money for, have they worked out more often than not? Yes or no. I'm not counting Judge. Judge, they re-signed. He was here already. But has Giancarlo Stanton worked out? And that was a trade. And I know that the Marlins picked up a lot of that money, and he fell into the Yankees' lap, essentially. But they didn't need him, and it hasn't worked out. Look at their big splash this past off season with Carlos Rodon. Has Carlos Rodon worked out? Is he going to throw a pitch one of these days? Carlos Rodon has thrown the same amount of pitches for the Yankees as I have. And I haven't even stepped foot in the damn stadium all year. And I don't plan to either. No desire to go. None. Zero. I'm good. Anyway. Yankees will be a playoff team. Right? That's a given. Each and every year they're going to be in the playoffs. So it's going to be good enough to bring the band back together again, but not bad enough to where the ownership is ever going to say, we got to make sweeping changes. And that's why they've been in this rut that they're in for the last, what, almost 15 years without a title. We come back, more of your phone calls, and we'll talk some football. Can DeAndre Hopkins find his way to the Big Apple? Dan Gross' show for another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN.